Sometimes I think, what will people say of me when I'm only just a memory? When I'm home, where my soul belongs. And was I love when no one else would show up? Was I Jesus to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song? We're going to go back to First John. It's just one of these books that you can just keep reading and reading and you can keep mining stuff out. And I just want to say about that, that you know, there, there's ways to study the word that don't require concordances, you know, and lexicons and, and degrees in theology and classes in ancient languages. Just sitting under the palm, meditating on God's word is, I think, far more profitable to your everyday walk. Um, and of you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, in no way am I um, taking away from men like John Shanehite, who does does this incredible academic work. You know, and I'm be reading out of the REV. And if you get into that and read his commentary, he's you know, it, it's absolutely important that we let the text speak and we dig down to that. But at the same time, you know, just sitting down and reading the book and and hearing the words of God, and meditating on it, are, is absolutely essential. And if we go into um, First John chapter two, verse 26, which is about where we left off. But I thought these, these verses were particularly pertinent. It says, verse 26, I have written these things to you about those who were trying, who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you remain in him. And if you remember at the beginning of First John, we read about how the recipients of this letter were people that had received the testimony of John and others about the life and accomplishments of Jesus Christ. There was a basic bedrock of truth already laid down. And then others had come in and were trying to pervert that truth. You know, when we read the word all in the word of God, we have to ask ourselves, is it all without exception or is it all with distinctions? You know, we can talk about all in a group and that all has the distinction of the people in that group. We talk about all Americans. Well, we're not talking about everybody in the whole world. We're talking about specifically define that group. Um, I thought this is particularly interesting when you, you think about the first and great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And in these days and times, people are saying, well, love is love, right? No, the first commandment, defines the second commandment. And if you don't know what God says love is, then you're not going to be able to love your neighbor the way God wants you to love your neighbor. And so when we read this anointing that remains in us, that teaches us the truth, we have to understand that this truth has parameters. There are people today that will teach you that love is love, and we have to accept it. Christian Pastors coming from the pulpit, you know, wearing the rainbow that will teach you that love is love. And we have to accept people for what they are and who they are. And we know that the word of God clearly says that that is not true. Have you ever heard the saying, follow your heart? What is the Bible? What does the word of God say about the heart? It is the most, the human heart is deceptive above all things. Jesus never taught us to follow our hearts. 
Jesus taught us to put the word of God into our hearts. Verse 28 says, and now, O children, remain in him. That's a lifestyle, remaining in Jesus, remaining in that relationship, abiding, living. That's your abode. That's your habitation. That's home in Jesus. So that when he appears, we will have confidence and not shrink back in shame from him at his coming. And if you have known that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The standard right there is Jesus. The standard is Jesus. You want to know how God is going to grade your life? Well, Jesus is the standard. Terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you know, wow. Verse, uh, chapter three, verse one, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Exclamation point. We are children of God. Kids born again, seed sealed, signed, delivered unto the father. We're his kids. On account of this, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, verse 2, we are children of God now, right now, and it has not yet been revealed what we will be. We know that when it is revealed, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope, which is based upon him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Elliot was talking about in his prayer about not knowing exactly what it's going to look like in the in the new heaven and the new earth, what it's going to look like when Jesus returns for us. But we do know that we get a new body and a pure heart and an end to sin. The sin nature will be gone. When that it right there, when that is revealed, we're going to be just like Jesus Christ in his new body. And as I get older, this becomes more and more a comfort to me. And as fantastic as it seems, as incredible as it seems, this is a reality, a spiritual reality written in God's word. And if you can speak in tongues, then you can put your hope in this great promise. Jesus is coming. You have a new body coming. It's ordered, brand new, coming your way. If we're going to rest in that hope, then that should be a great motivation to continue down this path of purification. Because, yeah, we're, we're God's children. Spiritually, we have that, that gift of Holy Spirit within us. But as we just talked about, the heart of man, well, that needs some work. And that takes some effort on our part. Verse 4, everyone who continues to commit sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know, if you're going to have a law, then you've got a law giver. And if all sin is lawlessness, then all sin is a transgression against the lawgiver. And that's kind of an interesting perspective. You know, we, we, we tend to think of sin as, you know, a moral issue or an ethical issue. But in reality, the real issue is that we are disobeying and betraying our Lord and Savior and our Heavenly Father, the lawgiver. No one who remains in him, again, remaining in, that's an abiding, that's a living, that's a relationship, that's a fellowship, keeps on sinning. Everyone who continues sinning has not seen him or known him. Now, we're not talking about a, a perfect life here. We're talking about a lifestyle, you know. We're talking about changing habits. We're talking about having a habitual lifestyle of sin, changing that. It takes a lot of effort to change habits. 
takes a lot of work, but you know, who are we working for and why are we doing this job? Because we have a father who has done so much for us and we owe him our loyalty. Oh, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever continues in righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Whoever continues to commit sin is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God continues to commit sin because his seed remains in him and he is not able to continue to sin because he has been born of God. This is one of these ideal verses in the word of God, I believe, because there are a lot of people that have the spirit of God in them, but, you know, live very sinful lives. And I believe the why of that is that they really don't know what they have. They don't understand it. They get caught up into doctrines and orthodoxies and, and traditions that are confusing and make no sense and leave them hurt and broken. And they end up walking away. Jesus said the truth will make you free. Well, that implies that lies will imprison you. Error will bind you up. And a lot of people have walked away from Christianity hurt. But if we have the truth, the more truth we have, the more freedom we have, the more we'll be able to walk in the righteousness of God. And that's another interesting point that I think about when I read these verses, the righteousness of God. Again, who sets the standard of what is right and what is wrong, what is pure and what is unpure, what is true and what is error? Isn't it wonderful to have a standard outside of yourself, outside of your feelings, outside of your culture and traditions and emotional responses by which you can judge things? Verse 10, this is how the children of God and the children of the devil are revealed. Everyone who does not continue to do what is right is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and slaughtered his brother. And why did he slaughter him? Because his works were wicked and his brothers were righteous. Again, we're talking about continuing in this word of God, walking in this word of God. You know, obviously, the unsaved is going to do unrighteousness, but it's also possible for the saved to betray his God, betray his master, his Lord, and do unrighteousness. We want to continue to walk down the straight and narrow path that the Lord has set in front of us. It takes effort, takes commitment, but I mean, the rewards, the rewards are so great. We're talking about eternal rewards, not you know, something that's going to rust and decay, but something that will last forever. We have to have that eternal perspective. And remember, we, we started this section off talking about the new body and what will happen when the Lord appears, how we're going to be. We need to keep that perspective in our heads, especially as we, you know, get older and we deal in a world that's becoming more and more wicked. Verse 16, this is how we have come to know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we are obligated to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need, but closes off his heart from him, how can the love of God remain in him? Oh, little children, we must not love only with words or with the tongue, but also in truth and action. I mean, those are very convicting words right there. We live in the most prosperous country in the world. We were complaining about 525 a gallon. You know, that's a lot of money, but I got the money to buy it. 
you know, I got a car to put the, 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 um, very nice car, put the, put the gasoline in roof over my head, clothes on my back, food in the refrigerator, running water, plumbing, electricity, internet, TVs. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You know, in the United States of America, we have change jars. Think about that. We have jars of money laying around that are just too heavy and inconvenient for us to carry around. It's, it's such a burden. Well, you know, what are we doing with all that abundance? There's, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of brothers and sisters that could use our support, not just financial support, obviously, you know, they could use our prayers. They could use our service. They could use our teaching. They could use just an arm to lean on. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't have ministries that you give to or, or people that you're supporting, though I'm sure you do, I suggest you go out and find some because they're not far away. Verse 19. And this is how we will know that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him that if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we are asking for, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. I love these verses because none of us walks perfectly. And we have situations where we're going to blow it. And yet God is greater than our hearts, greater than our sins, greater than our actions. I don't expect that if you blow it, there won't be some kind of consequences. You know, I ran through a red light the other day, accidentally ish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> accidentally ish. Okay. Maybe there'll be a ticket. Maybe there'll be money that has to be paid. Maybe my insurance will go up. We'll see. Verse uh, 23 says, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he commanded us. Again, reminds me of Matthew 22, the great first and great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the one, verse 24, who keeps his commandments remains in union with him and he in him. And this is how we know that he remains in us by the spirit that he gave to us. You never can lose that spirit. It's always remaining in you. That's not the issue. The issue is, do we remain in him? It's our relationship. The father never changes. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't change. We're the ones that are changeable for the good or for the worst. For verse 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In light of what we read about the spirit teaching us all things, this is a very interesting verse, isn't it? You know, you get all kinds of thoughts and ideas about the Bible when you read through it, but you got to test it. And by what standard do we test? By what standard do we test what the spirits, spirits say in prophecy? by the standard of the written word of God. That's why it's very important that we have our head in the book and we know the scriptures. We know what God has to say. There are a lot of people that know a lot of good scripture, but have traditions and doctrines and orthodoxy that they're blind them to the truth in that word. And we, we have to examine what we believe. Constantly, constantly lay it beside what the scripture says and see if it measures up, if it's plumb and level with what the word has to say. It's good habit, good practice, profitable. Verse two, this is how you know the spirit is from God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. And this is, you know, a very specific rebuke of the Gnostic teaching that Jesus wasn't flesh and blood, that he was a spirit and that he was just masquerading as flesh and blood. They didn't believe that he actually bled. They didn't believe that he actually suffered. They didn't believe that he ate or that he got tired. They believed that he was a spirit. And of course, out of that, all kinds of errors have entered into the church. Verse four, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world's perspective, and the world hears them. We are from God. Whoever knows God hears us, and whoever is not from God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There is a spirit of error, and when you see these people, these talking heads on the television or in the, you know, the governmental places speaking lies, blatant lies, you know that that's the spirit of error. But we have the spirit of truth. The spirit that is within you is truth. And when you meet people who respond to that spirit of truth, they're the ones that just we can get all excited about, right? And, you know, what are we going to do about the spirit of error that's in the world? Is there anything we can do about it other than speak the truth? No. In fact, Jesus is going to deal with that. The Lord is coming back and will take vengeance against the spirit of error. But in the meantime, we're not on a, you know, search and destroy mission. We're on a search and rescue mission. We're out there looking for people, fishers of men, right? Looking for those that want to know the truth. You know, I'm just scratching the surface of these verses. There's so much more that could be said. Get into them and read them yourselves. The commentary in the REV is fantastic, but just, just read them and think about them. Meditate on them. Let them seep into your heart, you know? Beloved, let us love one another since love is from God. Verse 7, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God doesn't love. God is love. Isn't that awesome? God is love. Now, not this mamby-pamby emotional stuff that we're, we're that's being peddled right now, but a clearly defined love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. Love is patient. Does not rejoice in evil. Verse 9. This is how the love of God was revealed amongst us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we could live through him. This is the second or third time in this teaching that these this has been said. God moved first. God is love. And God's act of love was to give the greatest thing that he had to give his son. How do we respond to that? There's really only one way to respond, and that is to give also. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, we also are obligated to love one another. Second time that's been said. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love has been perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Again, the spirit, we are sealed. We're in God. Doesn't matter how big you blow it, you're always going to have that spirit. And we have seen, verse 14, and now testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. What an incredible relationship that we have, that we can have with the Father. He's done it. It's a done deal. Spirit in you. We've just got to do our part. And what what does that mean? What does that look like? It's just remaining in that relationship. It's wonderful that we have this example of uh, little Gianni growing up in relationship with his father to think about. And and that's what it's like. You know, it's 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 a, a father-son relationship. You're all children of God. And if sometimes you poop your diapers, okay. You know, it doesn't mean that Franco doesn't love Gianni anymore. Probably not the most pleasant thing Franco gets to do with Gianni is clean up his diaper. But he does it. And we move on and we go to the next thing. Franco has an expectation, right, that someday Gianni won't be pooping his diapers. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a there's a journey into maturity that we're looking for here. A lot of Christians out there never move into that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, Marion. Some days you got to put that on. But that's what we're talking about here is this relationship, this maturing relationship, this growing relationship, a relationship that stays locked into what Jesus Christ has done what the Father has done through Jesus Christ for us and doesn't get distracted or deceived. Remember it said, do not let yourself be deceived. That's an interesting word, let. It, it, you know, it, it implies that you're, you're taking part in that deception. You can only be deceived if you get your eyes off of the, off of the book. Verse 17, this is how love is perfected with regards to us so that we can have confidence on the day of judgment because just as he is, so also are we, although still in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears has not been perfected in love. This is a great verse. Now, you're a mature Christian, but you're still going to have fear. You know, there's good fear and there's bad fear. We're talking about fear of punishment. Punishment from whom? From your father. But as we grow in maturity, that fear is removed and it's replaced with confidence, confidence in God's ability. You know, again, looking at the Gnostics and what they were teaching, it was a hierarchical system. You know, you move through these steps of knowledge. Sound familiar? You know, you start off as a layman and then you're an all the boy and then you're, you know, I don't know what comes next. Elder, presper, priest, bishop, cardinal, pope these hierarchical steps up the spiritual ladder. God doesn't operate like that. Not in this day and age. You're born again, son of God, and that gift of Holy Spirit upon you is complete and total. There's no adding to it. You don't have to strengthen it. You don't have to mature it. It's your heart and your mind that needs to get changed and lined up to it. And once you do that, once you get that confidence and that understanding, then that fear will be cast out. No matter how bad you blow it, you can go back to your father, knowing full well that he will accept you and love you, change your diaper for you, pat you on the head, send you on your way. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. God moved first. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen is not able to love God whom he has not seen. That word hate doesn't necessarily mean that burning hate 
you know, that we refer to as hate, you know, rage, hate, going to go out and do him evil kind of thing. But, you know, it's a disregarding. Uh, somebody once told me that love, the opposite of love is indifference. Verse 21, and we have this commandment from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother and sister also. Verse 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the one who gave birth to them also loves the one who has been born of him. Because it's family, right? We're family. We don't want to be like Cain. This is how we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. Again, love is defined. It's defined by God. Love is not love. It's not, you know, love is love. Uh Uh-uh. If you're disobeying the commandments, that's not love. But this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Leave that right there. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our trust. The And who is the one who is overcoming the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. When we look at what's going on in the in the world, in our country, in our culture, in our communities, it can be so easy to uh, be overwhelmed. And how are we going to win against this rising tide? Well, you've already won. The battle, the victory is already assured in Christ Jesus. No matter how bad things get, nothing is going to stop you from being gathered together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as for the moment by moment, day by day walk, it's your trust, it's your faith, your believing that overcomes the world. No matter what the adversary throws at you, stay faithful to the God that has called you out from the world. Stay loyal to the Lord that you have chosen to serve. That's how you overcome the world. You might not be able to change what's going on in Washington, D.C., but you can certainly change what's going on in your heart. And that's where trust emanates from your heart. Verse six, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And the spirit is what testifies to this because the spirit is the truth. Indeed, there are three testifying, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Spirit, that's God. That's the spiritual connection. Water, that's the birth from his mom. Blood, that's the life that he got from his father. Jesus Christ was a totally, complete, absolute human being with the gift of Holy Spirit, just as you are a human being with the gift of Holy Spirit. These three are in agreement. If we receive, verse 9, the testimony of people, the testimony of God is greater because this is the testimony of God that he has testified concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has testified concerning his son. And this is the testimony God has given us life in the age to come. And this life is in his son. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know you're going to heaven, for sure that you're going to be gathered together, that you're saved, you need to have the Son. And this is the testimony God has given us, life in the age to come. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can know that you have life in the age to come. Do you know that you have life in the age to come? You do. Do you think about that? Do you remember that? Does it spur you on? Does it anchor your soul? Keep your eye on the prize, right? Keep your eye on the finish line. I have written these things to you, verse 13, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can know that you have life in the age to come. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Now, this isn't a blank check that every prayer you pray for is going to get answered, but it is an invitation to lay your cares upon the Father and upon the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will give you the best that they can, the best for the situation. You know, I have prayers that never have been answered, and yet I've seen answered in the way that I expected, I should say, and yet I've seen amazing things occur in my life that I never would have planned if, you know, would have happened if the prayers had been answered the way I thought they were going to get answered. Again, trust, trust. Lay your cares on fa- on the Father and trust that he will meet your needs. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother or sister committing sin that is not resulting in death, he should ask God and he will give him life. To those who commit sins not resulting in death, we should be praying for each other, folks. I do not say uh, to those, there is a sin resulting in death. I do not say that he should ask concerning that. What is that sin? Well, as far as I can tell, it's not accepting the son. And there are people that completely reject Jesus Christ. And that's a sin unto death, as far as I can see. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not resulting in death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not continue sinning, but the one who was born of God keeps him safe, and the wicked one does not touch him. Claim that. Amen to that. Again, ideal situation, obviously, because we have stuff going on in our lives where, you know, not the ideal. But spiritually, we're untouchable. There's nothing that the devil can do to stop us from being gathered together with our Lord Jesus Christ, getting that new body. It's a done deal. Verse 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world, the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we can know the true one. And we are in union with the true one by being in union with his son, Jesus Christ. This one is the true God and life in the age to come. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. It's interesting that that's the last word that John has to say on this. There are many idols in this world. There are many ways to get knocked off of your relationship with the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't allow it. Don't let them deceive you. Thank you for that. And be confident in your position and your relationship with your Father. Continue to build it. Continue to walk with Him. And know that there's rewards coming, folks. Crowns coming, whatever they may be. Eternal rewards. That's what we're working for. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for the perspective, this eternal perspective that we can have. We thank you also for the truth that has been shined into our light, like a ray of light 
that just illuminates and casts out the darkness and brings us great guidance and peace. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this wonderful word of God, the depth of it, the the wonders of it, the, the incredible grace that it speaks of, the peace that we have with you because of what you have done for us. People say they want a sign. They say they want a sign of God. And we look around and see the glory of your creation. We look into your word and see its perfection and its wonderful love and declaration of you. And we just, I mean, we should shout it from the rooftops. Here's your sign. So, Father, help us to declare your word. Help us to be as bold in our walk and in our lives every day as we are when we're sitting here in fellowship or quietly sitting in prayer with you that we can declare your word, knowing fully that it is truth. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful gift to us and for your example. We just ask you to help us walk day by day more and more like you. As we continue down this road and we take new steps in different directions, that you guide us and you strengthen us and you teach us and you protect us. Thank you for just showing us what the next right thing to do is and giving us the resources and the courage to do it. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Your love is true.